It does seem that we women are ruled by hormones, especially when it comes to our moods. The hormonal makeup that we have as women definitely does put us at an increased risk of mood disorders, and that's something that happens over the lifetime. It's really just because the way our ovaries function, they cycle through estrogens and progesterones. Hormone levels go up and down in our menstruating years, in our reproductive years, and of course into the menopausal time frame the hormones will drop uh, precipitously, and that can also lead to some mood changes. The other time of a woman's life where she is particularly prone to experiencing depressive symptoms is around the time of childbirth, and the hormones associated with that can uh, also increase the risk of depression. Uh Saying that someone is just PMSing is a real cause for the blues? Well, PMS is definitely a real thing, and PMS isn't necessarily depression, and sometimes the symptoms can overlap and it can be difficult to tell the difference between a PMS and a depression, but there, there can be certainly a lot of overlap. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the link between the hormones and depression. Is every woman, I mean, we all have hormones, are we all susceptible to depression? I guess the short answer is, is yes. Depression is very common. It's twice as common in women as it is in men. And we think that that primarily has something to do, maybe not entirely, but certainly has something to do with those hormonal shifts. So, yeah, women are certainly at risk more than men of developing depression over their lifetime. Let's spend a moment and talk about the symptoms of depression. When a woman is depressed, she is going to exhibit some pretty significant changes. Sad or depressed mood, obviously, she's going to feel very down. Other things to watch out for, changes to sleep pattern, not sleeping very much at all, or perhaps even the opposite end of the spectrum, sleeping too much. She might experience changes in her weight, changes in her diet, not eating enough, or again, on the other end of the spectrum, eating too much. Feelings of guilt, worthlessness, problems concentrating, problems thinking, making decisions. Another big one that we see often is women all of a sudden no longer take joy in the things that used to give them a lot of pleasure. You know, they really used to enjoy going to the knitting club with their friends, and now, you know, that's just something that they they just aren't into anymore, for example. Or they really used to enjoy that, that gym class, and now they just can't find the motivation to get up and go. So those are the things that, that we look for. Anything we can do ourselves that might help? Sure. I mean, I think the first thing, you know, is to, to know thyself, and if you're just not feeling quite yourself, you need to bring it to somebody's attention, whether that's your partner. You know, I am an OBGYN, and so what I do all day long is I see women. You know, most of the time women are coming in for their routine checkups. But, you know, I get to know my patients pretty well over the course of their lifetimes, and I'm happy to be the first one to hear some of these complaints or concerns that patients are having. I think just acknowledging that, for women, just that acknowledgement that, that something's going on and that they're, they're not quite feeling right is the place to start. And if that doesn't help, what else can be done? There are uh, a lot of really good treatments for depression. I think the first thing to, to kind of mention is depression can come in different levels of severity. You know, we can have mild depressions or moderate depressions or the, the most severe depressions. If the depression is mild, and I mean, again, I'm not the psychiatrist, I'm the OBGYN. The psychiatrist oftentimes does help us sort of make these distinctions. But for a mild depression, a lot of times simple changes to her routine, you know, incorporating exercise back into the routine, whether it's group classes or individual exercises, but just the endorphins that are released with activity can oftentimes start 
to, to make her feel better. Reconnecting with people that help her to feel good. Dietary changes we know can help. Calcium supplements actually have been shown to potentially have a lot of benefit. For depressions that are a little bit more severe, this is when we start thinking about whether it's talk therapy or even medication therapy. These can be really, really helpful and there are you know, especially in this area, excellent mental health providers that we liaison with, you know, from the obstetrician's office or from the gynecologist's office, reaching out into the community for some of these resources. And, you know, for those really severely depressed people, patients who really just can't get out of bed in the morning, um, it's really affecting their relationship with their family, with their kids, um, those patients oftentimes really do need uh, intense therapy as well as medical treatment. And there's different classes of medications that can be used. If hormones play a part in depression, does hormonal therapy do any good? So that's a really interesting question. And as an OBGYN, I get this a lot. I get patients coming in complaining of their their mood symptoms, and they've decided that it is really related to their hormones, and they want to treat it with hormones. Some of the obstetrical or gynecologic things that we see, like PMS, premenstrual syndromes, and some aspects of the menopausal transition perhaps could be approached from a hormonal therapy modality, but if it really is a true depression, hormones aren't going to fix it. I get this all the time. You know, I had a a patient just the other day, for example. She's 49. She's starting to notice that her cycles are changing. She's having trouble sleeping. She's just not enjoying the things that she used to enjoy any longer. And, you know, to my ear, part of it sounds like the menopausal transition. A lot of these symptoms do overlap, the sleep changes and libido changes. Um, but there was a, a part of her story that really made me concerned about a, about a significant depression. And it wouldn't be appropriate in that setting to treat a, a depression with hormone replacement therapy. That's not the appropriate treatment. Okay, if hormones don't actually cause the depression, can we say they make it worse? Exactly. It really can just exacerbate it. And, you know, there are so many other things going on in that time frame, you know, in your late 40s and early 50s, which is, you know, the average age of menopause in this country is 51. You know, for those patients, a lot of them, the the kids are moving out of the house, perhaps they're transitioning jobs, they're having to acknowledge in this time frame the loss of their own fertility, perhaps, their bodies are changing. So there's just so many other things going on at that time that can really change how she feels about herself and perhaps tip her into into a depression but it's it's not exclusively the hormonal changes that that would be causing that there's just so many life things that are going on in that time frame and it's really important for us as gynecologists to be able to to differentiate the two with all of that how can we keep ourselves healthy through all this up and down it's the same answer that we would give in any scenario. You know, you got to watch your diet, eat the right sorts of foods, nourish your body with, with good, healthy things, take care of yourself, manage your weight. If there are underlying um, medical problems, for example, if you have diabetes or blood pressure issues, make sure that those are well controlled because having your physical self intact and, and taking care of your, your physical being is going to lead to more steadiness in, in your mental health as well. But women always put ourselves last. It's true. It's true. We take care of everybody else before we take care of ourselves. We make sure that our kids are all cared for. We make sure that our husbands have their colonoscopy set up. And, you know, we we take care of stuff at the job. and, And then when there is time, if there is time, then we try to turn that focus back around to ourselves. And sometimes that's not the right approach. We really do have to put ourselves first sometimes so that 
we can take care of others so that we can be at our best to make sure that everything else is in place. Okay, let's turn our attention now to postpartum depression. Postpartum depression obviously is a a depressed mood that occurs around the time of, of childbirth. Again, sometimes the symptoms of of normal childbirth and being just a new mom can overlap with symptoms of depression. She's sleep deprived, she's not eating, you know, there's a fussy crying kid, she's, you know, concerned about her own ability to care for herself and this new baby. So some of those symptoms can, can sometimes overlap with a depression. Patients who have an underlying history uh, or have had depression in the past or are currently dealing with a depression during the pregnancy who have an anxiety disorder or if there's been issues during that pregnancy. Those are women who are particularly at at risk of developing a postpartum depression. And that can really be devastating, not just for the, the patient, but really for her whole family. Her whole family really suffers. And again, there is treatment and you're not alone. Correct. There's treatment, you're not alone, and our job as obstetricians is to, you know, this is why we see women every month, you know, in the early part of pregnancy, and then towards the end we're seeing them every week. We're checking in, how are you feeling, what's going on. This is why, you know, I have my staff, um, after the patients go home from the hospital, I have my staff call them within a day or two, how are you doing, just to check in and follow up. And this is something that we see, it's something that we manage, and women take on this guilt that there's, there's something wrong with them, they're not doing things the right way, and um, it's that reassurance that they need that what they're experiencing, we can help, we can treat you, we can, we can make this better so that you can enjoy being a mom. Honestly, how common is postpartum depression? So certainly for postpartum depression, we know that one in seven new moms experience a postpartum depression. It's staggering, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Um, you know, you're hearing more and more about it, but that's a pretty alarming statistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are. I think we're doing a pretty good job. Of course, there's always room for improvement. But you know, on labor and delivery, all of our nurses are trained to look for it. There are questionnaires that every patient has to fill out. My staff, we reach out to the patients at their homes afterwards. So there are all sorts of opportunities. The other opportunity for sort of catching this is in the pediatrician's office. You know, I don't see my patient sometimes for six weeks after she delivers, but that baby needs appointments, sometimes as, as soon as two or three days after mom goes home. So our pediatrics colleagues are doing a good job as well um, for looking out for moms that are struggling, moms that are suffering, and um, connecting them back to either uh, us as the primary OBGYN or to a mental health provider. Well, that gives us all quite a bit to think about and keep an eye out for. Thank you so much, Dr. Minta, for all of this.